Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Good morning, Los Angeles, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai for 32 years. Joining you each and every Saturday with the great Steve Paulette. We've been doing this over 10 years now. Got to be a world's record in the world of radio. Fantastic. What a day in surgery. What a week in surgery I had. Yesterday was awesome. So many knees and hip surgeries. So many patients I saw this week. But I did two shoulder surgeries this week. One on Wednesday and one yesterday. That uh, one was in an athlete. Tore his labrum. A lot of pain. And I fixed that on Wednesday. But what was fascinating was my surgery yesterday was... A golfer, an older man, and he could still shoot eighty in uh, in his game of golf. But at the end of that round, his shoulder just ached. And usually, you've heard the clapper vision that the tendon attaching to the bone is kind of like a rope attached to a boat, and the clapper. boat is tied to the cleat on the dock. And the rotator cuff tear is literally the rope pulls the cleat off of the wooden dock. The rotator cuff tendon literally pulls off the bone. That's usually what I see. But his MRI was fascinating. It did not show any detachment of the tendon from the bone. His MRI showed a split in the tendon itself. Whole different story. I'm not grabbing the tendon and reattaching the rope to the dock, reattaching the tendon to the bone. What I did yesterday was actually use special suture, bulletproof suture called FiberWire. The great company Arthrex makes it. That all of us in the world now use their better mousetrap, their better material. And I could sew the tendon side to side. This guy's going to do so great. And... I don't know, six years ago, I did his other shoulder where I reattached the tendon to the bone, but I didn't have to do that yesterday. A very unusual kind of rip and tear. And I tell you, that is the funnest part for me as a surgeon. After 32 years and 16,000 surgeries, lo and behold, every single time I go to the operating room, and I went a lot this week, 10 times this week, I operated. And every single time I go, You see something different. If your eyes are open to it, if you see your job as the same thing every day, then I feel bad for you. But if you see it with eyes wide open, it's a glorious day because brand new things will be in front of you, especially 
in the operating room, and especially in the way our bodies work. What a privilege to be a surgeon where I get to repair something that God made. I don't take it lightly. Awesome. Clapper Vision for this Saturday has got to be about Corey Seager. And I thought long and hard about it. He broke his fifth metacarpal. That's the pinky finger, but it's the long bone in your hand. It's called the metacarpal. Those long bones in your foot are called the metatarsals, but in the hand they're called the metacarpal. Great news is he doesn't need surgery. Great news is these bones heal faster than the average bone because of the circulation. He'll probably miss a month, maybe three weeks, four weeks into most in my opinion. No surgery, great news. But what is it about that bone that makes him incapable of playing right now? It's just a crack. It's not displaced or minimally displaced. So here's a clap revision for you when you break a bone in your hand. When you go to pick up a pen, you use your thumb and your index finger. Fine pinch. The clap revision, a tweezer. Two metal bands close to each other that allows you to pick up Small, delicate things, a tweezer. But if you need to squeeze a nut and bolt or a doorknob or hold a baseball bat, you ain't doing it with your thumb and your index finger. You ain't doing it with a tweezer. You need a pair of pliers to hold on to a bolt, a nut, a baseball bat. And we call that power grip. The thumb wrapping around the palm, opposition it's called, and engaging the pinky, the little finger. So look at a pair of pliers. It's two jaws. One jaw, the thumb. The other jaw, your fifth metacarpal, your pinky finger. The bolt that allows you to have that fulcrum, that mechanical advantage so you can grip something really hard the bolt in between the two jaws, that's the second, third, and fourth portions of your hand, those metacarpals that wrap around. If you crack the bolt of the pair of pliers, it's dysfunctional. So if you crack the second, third, or fourth metacarpal, you're having surgery. We're putting plates and and screws into your hand. Even for a minimally displaced fracture, we cannot accept any crack. You crack the bolt of the pliers in any way, you can't use the plier. But if you actually crack the jaw, one of the two jaws of the pliers, you could still squeeze things because the bolt is still intact with the other arm, if you will, of the pliers. So you can get away with that minimally displaced fracture in the fifth metacarpal. Clapper vision is a pair of pliers versus tweezers. Remember that. And we'll open the clinic. Steve Paulette will be available. The number is 877-710-ESPN. But I'm so excited for today's show because my guest calling in at 815, thanks to a patient that I saw who I've taken care of, said, Dr. Clapper, I'm using this device And she shows me this thing called a marma mat. It's a yellow silicone foot, 12 inches by 12 inch mat that has bumps. Looks like an egg crate, if you will, of silicone. She says, I stand on this and the pressure points on the bottom of my feet 
it's amazing. My foot pain, my back pain, I feel so much better. You should have these guys on the radio. So we're going to at 8.15 and we're going to talk about it. But it made me think all week about my world of art, of sports, of surgery. We're going to talk about pressure points and how it's therapeutic. Where do we see pressure points in the world of sports, in the world of art? Well, in the world of sports, Pete Maravich died as a 40-year-old because of his heart, a congenital deformity. Hank Gathers, we lost him, tragically. His heart also. And I remember in medical school, I mean, I'm not a cardiologist, but I, I just love everything in medicine and how our bodies work, that you could make the diagnosis to prevent sudden death This is the number one cause of sudden death in athletes is heart problems. And one of the most common used to be called ASH, asymmetrical septal hypertrophy. Nowadays, they have a new word. They call it hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. What it means in plain English is your heart is a muscle, four chambers to pump the blood to get oxygen pumped to your lungs and then to pump out of the aorta so the oxygenated blood gets to your muscles, gets to your pinky finger, gets to your big toe. It's a pump, but it has its own battery pack. It does not rely on your spine. The heart will beat. If you ever see a heart transplant, which I've done, I mean, I've seen, I haven't done them, but I've been in many of them, that heart beats without any connection to your spine, to your brain. It has its own battery pack. But if the wall of the heart is born too thick, when you lay that electrode to do an EKG on your skin right now, as you're driving, as you're sitting, I put a lead on your skin, on your chest, I'm going to be able to see the electrical condition of your heart. And if you carefully look, remember the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know, at the width of the electrical signal on the EKG, and it's longer than it's supposed to be, that means the wall of the heart is longer than it's supposed to be, and you can go, aha, you're at risk, young man, young lady, for sudden death, because you have too thick of a heart wall. You can make that diagnosis, talk about pressure points, By strategically putting that electrode in the exact right spot on your chest and save someone's life. And ahead of time, determine you're at risk. You have a congenital deformity in your heart. Can you imagine that? You can make that diagnosis. So for the world of sports, pressure points is the simple, elegant tool called an EKG. And I want to teach you about those pressure points. It's fascinating. And in the world of art, well, wait till you hear this. Let me just give you a preview. It involves this song. Why would the Barnettes and Be My Baby have anything to do with a pressure point that I'm going to talk about today? It's just a song. No, it's not just a song. And in our next segment, you're going to learn why it's not just a song, why it's a pressure point for your ear and your brain 
And the genius behind it was a guy named Phil Spector. And what this one song did to Brian Wilson is going to blow your mind and how it changed the world of music for all of us. But let's get into the world of sports. What exactly is an EKG? What am I talking about? Pressure points on your chest. This is a cardiologist explaining to us. Firstly, what does ECG stand for? It stands for electrocardiogram or electrocardiograph. And it's a way of measuring the electrical activity of the heart. Remember that the heart's a pump. It's a muscular pump that when it contracts, it will push blood either from the atria to the ventricles or from the ventricles out of the respective arteries. Now, before it can contract, electrical signals need to be sent down through this muscle tissue. And ECGs measure the direction that these waves move. So it's an electrical battery pack that signals the muscle to go ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. Loading it, loading the pump with blood, that's the atrium. Pushing the blood out of the heart, the bottom of the heart, the, the apex of the heart, that's the ventricle. Is what we call a 12-lead ECG, okay? Now, please be aware that leads are different to electrodes. The electrodes are the sticky dots that you place on the patient. The leads are basically the set of eyes on the heart, having a look at what's going on, giving you the ECG readout, okay? So in a 12-lead ECG, we have 12 views of the heart, but in actual fact, we only, only use 10 electrodes to get these 12 views. What are the 10 little electrodes? Six of them are put on the front of your chest, sticky, where your heart is, and exactly where to put them between the fourth rib, the fifth rib. It matters where you put them. Those are the pressure points. The other four to make 10 electrodes, one goes on your right arm, one goes on your left arm, one goes on your right foot, one goes on your left foot. But here's what's fascinating. We actually don't even look to the right foot, even though there's an electrode there. We just use that one as a ground. Of the 10 electrodes, you are going to find that four of them go on your limbs. One on the left hand, one on the right hand, one on the left leg, one on the left leg, uh, right leg. There are four electrodes. The other six of the 10 electrodes go on the chest and they're called the precordial electrodes. And they are also the electrodes that give you the precordial leads or precordial readouts. Now, the purpose of those electrodes on the front of your chest is it's in front of exactly where your heart is. We have six. We start with the first one and we call the first one V1. Now, where does V1 go? Remember, please remember that when you're looking at the patient, that's the right side. That's the left-hand side. And you know that the heart sits behind the sternum, a little bit to the left, turned a little bit, so the apex or the point of the heart is pointing towards the left hip. So you need to keep that in mind because that's important when it comes to the placement of these leads, of these electrodes. The heart sits in your chest, a little cockeyed, the tip of it. And here's a clapper vision for the heart. It looks like a ski cap upside down. You know how that ski cap has a point at the top? That's the apex. That's actually the in your chest, the heart is an upside-down ski cap. The band of the ski cap is the base of the heart. And that sits diagonally, literally from the right nipple to the left nipple. And that fifth intercostal space, if you feel, should be able to feel your heartbeat. What you're actually feeling is the apex of your heart hitting the precardium. Okay? That's the fifth intercostal space. And that's where you put V4. 
So midclavicular, fifth intercostal space, V4. So these little dots, adhesive points, electrodes, that the nurse or the doctor will put on your chest, 10 of them, six on your chest, I should say, four on your limbs, elect, connect to wires. Those are the wires that together create a three-dimensional view of the electricity traveling through your heart. Six views of the heart from four electrodes. So four electrodes on the limbs give you six views of the heart, plus the six views of the heart you get from the precordial give you 12 leads. That's your 12 lead ECG. Please remember, these leads on the chest, they're placed on the chest like this. So they're viewing the heart from that direction. These limb leads are viewing the heart from this direction. So what do we have? We've got a view of the heart from here and a view of the heart from here. We now have a 3D view of what's going on electrically in the heart. So the chest leads directly feel the heart. The limb leads feel the electricity. Talk about pressure points traveling through the skin from the front, from the back. And it ultimately makes that printout, the ECG or EKG, that allows you to see how the electricity is running through the heart itself. It's awesome. And when it is not exactly normal. The span of that distance that we see on the EKG, your muscle is either dead from a previous heart attack, the beat is not quite right in sync, better known as an arrhythmia, or in the case of an athlete, too long of an electrical signal, the muscle is too thick, uh-oh, you're going to have a sudden death risk. You better see a doctor and have a workup, a Holter monitor, an echo, an ultrasound exam, all kinds of things that can be done. You may even need surgery one day. But these, this is how we can make that diagnosis. It's not just a random placement. These are pressure points, specific pressure points on your chest to teach you, the young athlete, that you have a healthy heart versus not a healthy heart. Valuable pressure points. Valuable pressure points in the world of music and art. We'll get into it coming up next, only here on the Weekend Warrior Show on 710 ESPN. Holy emoji, clap man. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy slip disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. Along with Doc's clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. What's going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. At 42 years old, you know what your new nickname is for me? <laughs> start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. You're not Matthew from Santa Monica anymore. You're Mr. Preop. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers.
Weekend Warriors. The Ronettes, Be My Baby. What does this have to do with pressure points? Well, the background of this song, which was recorded here in Los Angeles on Sunset Boulevard, Gold Star Studios, has in a tiny room 36, that's right, 36 musicians, seven guitar players, four piano players, crammed into the room with an echo chamber, making what's known as the wall of sound. Pressure points for your ear, for your brain, that essentially took a guitar and a piano and by blending them, made a new instrument. What would it sound like when you call a piano? A pitar. Hello there. A guiano. Hello there. Whatever you want to call it. That was the genius idea of mixing these pressure points into your brain of Phil Spector. Listen to Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys talking about what happened when he heard this song that you're hearing for the very first time. Phil Spector, um, he, he was everything. Like, there, there, there's nothing to compare. He was it. The biggest inspiration in my whole life. Yeah, I was in my car with my girlfriend and we were driving around. And, um, all of a sudden, this guy, Wink Martindale, a disc jockey, he goes, all right. Here we go with Be My Baby by the Ronettes. And uh, I'm going to start playing, you know. You know, it's deep, you know. And all of a sudden they got into this part. Be my, be my and, uh, and, and I, I said, <laughs> what is, what? Uh, whoa, whoa. I pulled over. I pulled over on the side of the, of the uh, street, of the curb. And I went, my God, wait a minute. I'm like, no way. He could tell the pressure points in his head. Something was happening. I flipping out. I really did flip out. I, balls out, totally freaked out when I heard it. Freaked me out. And I got my mind blown. Pretty much. <laughs> I know it's funny. I mean, actually, in a way, it wasn't really getting your mind blown. It's like getting like your mind revamped. It's like once you've heard that record, you're a fan forever. reason it works is because he's figured out how to have 36 different instruments going on through the wires, through your ear, your eardrum, into your brain. Who knew? But it was called the wall of sound. Listen to two of the engineers talk about what it was like to work with Phil Spector on this crazy idea and why it worked. The wall of sound is a function of this studio. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Studio A at Gold Star. The echo chambers never uh, made the sound acceptable. They enhanced the sound, but the fact that the room was filled with musicians, and it is a small room, uh, bounced, everything bounced off of, and we, we got all of this meshing going on. Mm. And then you added the chambers to it, and so you got this sound that all became this wall. 
It was a, a room saturation. We had it all melded together in the room. And of course, there was one other ingredient to help make it, the wall a sound. A minor ingredient, but still meaningful. And that's Phil Spector. <laughs> I mean, Phil... Phil made the wall a sound because... Yeah, exactly. Phil Spector. Of course, I've thought of different reasons why we would almost never roll tape for oh under three hours into the session. All of that time would be spent with the musicians playing and Phil listening. And uh, one of the theories that I've evolved is that the reason he did it so long was that he wanted that, the musicians to be tired so that they lost their individualism. And now what they played could be blended into this sound. To the average person, they may even be hearing a mistake. But not to Phil Spector. His ears hurt different things, and he's designing the pressure points in your, in your ear for your hearing into your brain. Listen to one of the musicians talk about, I heard a mistake, and yet somehow he made it right. One particular incident that stands out in my mind is um, when Phil came out to California to record Be My Baby. One interesting thing happened. I was out in the room where the musicians were playing, and there was a lot of mistakes out there. There was a lot of imperfection out there. And I thought, oh, boy, they sure haven't got this this time. You've got a room full of 36 guys, and you know, half of them are making mistakes. And I thought, how's he ever going to make this into a smash? But then I walked back into the booth, and Phil said, wait until you hear what I got. And I heard it coming back, and it was, it was a miracle. It was glorious. And I said, but I just heard a bunch of mistakes. He says, never mind what's really out there. Listen to what I got in here. And that's where the magic came. Between the wires and the booth, Phil got magic. He caught lightning in a bottle time and time again. And this is the record that I heard. Now, here's another example, only this time we're going to have a treat. The man who wrote the song, Dadu Ron Ron, who worked with Phil Spector, is going to teach us how you create the pressure points in your ear and your brain. First, let's listen to the song. This is Dadu Ron Ron. Wall of Sound. These are the crystals. This is the that was the wall of sound, and Phil Spector's manipulating that song. But listen to the man who wrote the song telling you he could have written it, and he thought he wrote it as a ballad. Not until Phil Spector heard it and realized he's going to manipulate it with pressure points for your ear. Listen to the beginnings of the creation of this song as a ballad. This is Jeff Barry who wrote the song. But it could have been a ballad, and it would have sounded like I met her on a Monday, and my heart stood still. The do run, 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 the do run, run. And somebody, somebody told me her name was Jill. 
It's a nice song. It's a ballad, but it ain't the wall of sound. Because it's pressure points. It's pressure points to your ear. It doesn't have to make sense. Here's another thing that's clever about Phil Spector and the Wall of Sound. I met her on a Monday. No! You meet people on a Sunday, not a Monday. But it doesn't have the right pressure point in your ear. Because the Met is an M. Monday is an M. You may meet her on a Sunday, but that doesn't sound as good. The pressure point in your ear is better with Monday. Probably means the same thing as do I diddy and all those other silly things. Actually, there was a big discussion about whether it should be met her on a Monday and my heart stood still or met him on a Sunday and my heart stood still. Um, Sunday seems like the day to meet someone and fall in love. But Monday sounds better. Met him on a Monday instead of met him on a Sunday. Like, where did that S come from? You know? So met him on a Monday is where it is and everyone thinks it's Sunday. But it's Monday. It's the only good thing that's ever happened on a Monday. I love it. Pressure points in art, in music, in surgery, your EKG, and pressure points. At 8.15, we'll talk about the Marmomat. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly hear Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers' aches and pain issues. Right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Google the Guggenheim. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper. Does it get any better than that, Weekend Warriors? Aaron Kobe Bryant, say your name. 
Every Saturday morning, you're going to hear Kobe Bryant. Till the last day I do this show, you're going to hear the man, the legend, Kobe Bryant, say, Dr. Clapper. Miss him. But he's here, just like my mom and dad. They're still here when I talk about him. We're going to talk about Kobe till it's all, till my last days. Dr. Clapper. All right, the number is 877-710-ESPN. Wait till I tell you about pressure points in food. Where is he going to come up with a pressure point for food? Well, the pride and joy of Los Angeles cuisine me being a Jewish guy from New York, from Far Rockaway, one of the main reasons I live here is to surf and to eat Mexican food. And there's a place in Los Angeles that understands pressure points in food. My mouth is watering already. Because when they give you the chips on the table, homemade tortilla chips, to dip in salsa like every other Mexican restaurant. And the salsa, we can debate who makes the best salsa. Is it El Tarasco? You name it. You got your own favorite place. But I'm talking about pressure points. So there's a place in L.A. that does one thing better. There's an extra step that they put in to that chip on the salsa. And you know what it is? It's a bean dip. It's a homemade bean dip, which means there's bumps and lumps in this amazing dip. You put that on your tortilla, it then, like Velcro, attaches to the salsa, to that tomato, that onion, that cilantro, that lime juice, that vinegar, whatever it is, the salt. And it sticks to the bean dip, which is sticking to the tortilla chip. It's like a knee replacement. I got the titanium prosthesis. I got the bone. And the bean dip in between is the methyl methacrylate acrylic cement. That's right. Who has the best bean dip for that chip and the salsa? Oh, I'm going to tell you where that place is a little later in the show. But right now, let's open the clinic. Can't wait to talk. The lines are all lit up. The weekend warriors are ready, Steve Paulette. Let's open the clinic. No copay. Let's go to Bruce and Torrance. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Oh, Brian, sorry. Hi, no problem. Hi, Dr. Clapper. Cla- Dr. Clapper, we need you on five days a week. <laughs> not one day a week. I want to start with that. Thank you, thank when you, you thank you. When you retire, uh, I think you can, uh, that's your second career. Anyway. Everybody um, keeps telling me what kind of career I have. You know what career I want to be? I want to be the son of a carpenter and the son of a nurse who combined the two and became an orthopedic surgeon. And that's my calling in life is to help people, to make them walk again and make them use their arms again and not have any pain and be a carpenter in the body. The radio is a way for me to be an artist, which I love to do, to paint pictures with words. That's what Clapper Vision is. And by the way, right now as we speak, you can get a Clapper Vision T-shirt. Oh, it's beautiful. It's an old surfing design, and it's at Val Surf in Valley Village in the Valley. You better get them before they sell out. But right now, you can get a Clapper Vision t-shirt. You'll go to a party, and people go, what kind of a t-shirt is that? Clapper Vision. What's Clapper Vision? And then you'll look at them, and you'll say, does your back hurt? Of course my back hurts. 
Let me tell you, your back is a light like a stack of Oreo cookies with the cream filling as the disc. And they'll go, what exactly are you talking about? And you'll go, that's what Clapper Vision is. So I'm going to be able to help you, Brian, like everybody else is calling in. Tell me what's up. First of all, how young are you? What do you do for a living? Uh, Actually, Dr. Clapper, I'm calling on behalf of my daughter. Good. How old are you and what do you do for a living? Oh, I am 62, nice. and I work for the government, and uh, uh, I'm... What's your specialty for the government? What do you do? Oh, I I work in uh, the uh, risk management area. So we deal with insurance and uh, trying to keep the county uh, out of risky-type situations. And where did you you grow up? Where did you grow up, Brian? I grew up in in Los Angeles. Where'd you go to high school? I went to Birmingham. Oh, in the valley. All right, then you're yeah, gonna yeah. you're gonna know this uh, Mexican restaurant that I'm gonna talk about a little later in the show. What did your dad do for a living? Uh, my dad was a, uh, a small business owner, so we all worked in the business. And uh, what was the so, business? Yeah, that, the business was a, a cleaning business, actually. A dry cleaning yeah, business. The, yeah, yeah, laundry and dry cleaning. So, wow. Uh, we, uh, What's the toughest you know, worked- stain to get out of a shirt? What material? Oh my God. Tomato sauce? Uh, What's the worst thing that you can, when you go, oh, my God, this one we're going to have to run through the machine yeah. twice? Yeah, I think anything oil-based was mm, problematic. Ink it. ink is always problematic. And, yeah, tomato can be, but not so much. I think ink and uh, oil-based stuff was always uh, the biggest issue. Is your dad still alive? No, he passed away. And uh, Did he you know, enjoy the uh, work? Did he enjoy the customers? Uh, I, I think he, he, uh, had a, a bit, a reputation in the community. He, <laughs> he started early and, uh, yeah, he left a legacy and, uh, did we, he have like a major he, account where he took care of the studios or took care of a college? Was there some big account that he had or did he had lots of little accounts? Yeah. Lots of little accounts. Yeah. Uh, I would say more so. Did your mom um, work in and, the place too? Everybody, the whole family, the whole family. And and, uh, he he put six kids through college. So, you know, it it was a lot of hard work, but uh, just like uh, everybody, everyone has a story. Everyone Uh, has a story. All right. How can I help you, Brian? What's up with your daughter? Okay, uh, Dr. Clapper, uh, we are going to come see you on (laughs) June 8th. Okay, cool. Uh, That that is already set. Uh, Now, here's my question to you, sir. Yes. Uh, our, uh, the MRI indicates she has a total, complete tear of the ACL. So okay. uh, my question is geared more towards pre-op. I, yes. I, we are reading your book, and, uh, you know, she's trying to do some, uh, you know, riding a stationary bike right now. Right. And uh, doing some water exercises just in the jacuzzi. Right. Um, in your book, you say to get blood transfusions. My question to you, sir, is we're going to see our uh, general practitioner a week before our visit to you. Should we go ahead? No, 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 no. 17-year-old girl in ACL, you do not need to donate blood. You don't even need to do uh, the typical blood testing anymore. We used to do urine tests, and we used to do all kinds of blood tests. All that stuff goes out the window. You want to make sure your daughter subtly, like I was talking about today, an EKG, you you, you want to at least have a good internist listen, make sure it doesn't have a heart murmur or something like that. But you can minimize all the testing if you have a good internist that can, or pediatrician who can listen and say, yep, safe to have 
uh, an anesthetic, and you don't even need to have a general anesthetic. You can do just a spinal. But you don't have the same issues when you do sports cases like this where you have to donate a pint of blood. And even when I do knee replacements and hip replacements now, and I do a lot of Jehovah's Witness patients, for example, where you can't even give them a blood transfusion. And because I don't lose really much blood in doing the surgery, I have a lot of those patients. So the answer is no. The old days is the old days, not anymore. A lot of improvement in terms of how we can manage people from the anesthesia, the surgery, and all the rest of it. So good question, not necessary. And as far as prepping to have a better recovery when a person tears their ACL, everybody's in a hurry. The surgeon's afraid you're going to go to somebody else, so they right away scare you. Oh, you have to have surgery tomorrow. No, you tear your ACL the data, the, the evidence-based medicine, and I've been doing this for 32 years, is get the swelling down. Everybody pump, pump the brakes. Get the swelling down. Get your range of motion back. Let what could heal, heal. Oftentimes, the medial meniscus or the medial collateral ligament is also torn when you tear your ACL. Those will heal on their own. If everybody calms down, they'll heal, and you're left with an isolated ACL to fix. But if you rush to surgery right after that acute injury, the swelling makes it so much hard to rehab afterwards. So you're doing the right thing. You wait. Let the swelling come down. Get full range of motion. And what I mean by full range of motion is everyone, including the physical therapist, everyone's obsessed with how much you're bending your knee. Good. Yes, I understand it's important to focus on flexion. But you know what's more important? Extension. You want to make sure you can fully straighten your knee as well as fully bend it before surgery because that's the biggest challenge after a knee surgery. It's not as much a challenge how much are you bending. The challenge is can you fully extend it? And if everyone's patient and you get the range of motion back, you get the swelling down, then it's a beautiful operation to restore to a knee that's damaged, normalcy, and you get to ski again and play tennis and have a whole life, and it's a beautiful thing to use, in my opinion, which may differ from other people in the neighborhood, but to be honest with you, I could care less. You're you're talking to me, I'm going to give you my opinion. It's more work for me, more work for the patient to use their own patella tendon, but that is the gold standard. You want to use the hamstring? You want to use the cadaver? Gay, you know, as we say in Yiddish. Go do whatever you want to do. But if you ask me what's the gold standard, what's best, there's no doubt. There's no doubt you should use your own patella tendon. And whether you're Clay Thompson or Joe Burrow or Tom Brady, they're using the patella tendon. There's a reason for it. So for all those surgeons, they want to use a hamstring or cadaver, they're entitled to. And that's who you're going to, that's what you can do. But if you're coming to Dr. Clapper, you're getting your own patella tendon because that, I believe, is best. So I hope that helps. Absolutely. Absolutely, right, Dr. God bless uh, you, Dr. and thank you for listening, and thank you. Go get her a, a Clapper Vision T-shirt at Val Surf. You'll make my day. You come to the office exactly. wearing a Clapper Vision T-shirt, man, you will make my day. But you've already made my day, Brian, because I appreciate the care that your dad gave to you to be a family man, and look how beautiful it has carried down. You're calling me not about yourself. You're calling me about your daughter. Your dad is in heaven right now, but he's proud of you because you are a father that he can really respect, that you're calling about your daughter. God bless you, Brian. I look forward to meeting you and your family. And thanks so much for being a weekend warrior. We'll take a break. We'll pay some bills. The lines are all lit up. The number is 877-710-ESPN. 
Don't forget, pressure points on a tortilla chip makes that salsa stick better. I'll be honest with you, when I went to this restaurant recently with my wife, I had to get more chips and more salsa because I went through the first batch that they gave us and it was just the two of us sitting there. Ooh, is this place good. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Smart? Just what are you getting at? Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Like this. Medical advice from Cedar Sinai, head of orthopedic surgery. Are you kidding? With a far rockaway attitude and a little drizzle of mozzarella. Well, it's important to me. Search Weekend Warrior in the space bar. Like this. And click on Doc's picture. I see. Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Hey, it's John Ireland. You know there is no better way to start your Saturday than with the man who replaced Michael Thompson's hip, Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Don't they ask the Lord. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Yo, Tango, un lapis amarillo. Thank you. Every Saturday morning from <laughs> 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Having so much fun as we do each and every Saturday. Thanks for telling your friends. Thanks for being the hero in your family. I do Twitter. Yes, I do. Dr. Robert Clapper's the handle. Look at what nice things people say. This is someone named Loose Change, L-U-C-E, Change. The best part of waking up early for practice is listening to Dr. Robert Clapper on the drive. God bless you, Loose Change. And here's another one, Eddie in Santa Paula. It's fascinating hearing Dr. Clapper talk about his surgeries he performs during the week and how he goes about it. Awesome. Let me tell you something. That's what I do for a living. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedars. Cedars Sinai for 32 years. But I love getting up Saturday mornings to be with you. Tell you about all the cool things that I see as a surgeon, as an artist. And as a food lover, that's what this show is and why so many people love it. It's key, though, to make it understandable. How are you going to explain the complexity of how your body works? you got to have clapper vision, right? It's like a tuna fish sandwich. <laughs> All right, who are we going to now? Let's go to Brett in downtown L.A. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? You there, Brett? Hey, how's it going, Dr. Clapper? I'm doing good, Brett. Yeah, How are here. you? Can you hear me? I can hear you. How young are you? What do you I'm do for a living? Um, How young are you and what do you do for a living, Brett? I'm 35 years old. I'm a track and field coach. Oh, God bless you. That's me. That means you're a teacher, Brett, which to me is the highest thing you can do with your life. Number two is nursing. Everybody else, get in line. But to be a coach, to be a teacher, God bless you. It's my pleasure to help. Where did you grow up, Brett? I grew up in Louisiana, uh, a little mm. town right outside of New Orleans. Ugh, can, I, can I just imagine for a second what dinner must have tasted like in your house 
with blackened redfish or whatever your mother or grandmother decided to make for dinner. I Listen, I grew up a Jewish guy in New York. I didn't have blackened redfish for dinner like you must have had or jambalaya or gumbo. Oh, my God, it must have been insane to be in your house. Was the food delicious, Brett? Did we lose Brett? I can't get to the talk to him. The food was amazing. The food was oh, amazing. Food okay, was what was amazing. your favorite? Brett, what was your favorite meal that your grandmother made for you? Uh, I would have to say her jambalaya. You heard it earlier. Her jambalaya was amazing. So it had crawfish and andouille sausage in it? What was so special about her jambalaya? Um, I guess it was just a, the, the process in which she made it. it she used a lot of... Uh, Extra seasonings and the or- the rice would be like an orange color when she oh, finished. Oh, it was oh. very light and fluffy. Oh. It was beautiful. Oh my God, my mouth is watering already. It's unbelievable. All right, how can <laughs> how can I help you? What 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 what's going on? What did you do to yourself? So I broke my leg, uh, my tib and fib, um, when I was in college uh, as a track and field athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm starting to develop a lot of like arthritis in that area, and mm-hmm. I've seen different doctors, and all they've really told me was um, I'm eligible for ankle replacement, mm-hmm. uh, ankle fusion, mm-hmm. and they also said that that's not really something that they recommend for someone my age and my activity level. Yes. Um, and the other deal would be to get a cortisone shot and no. to help manage the pain. Correct. And uh, I know you always say no to that, and I've been just trying to deal with the pain the best way I can, but it, it has become, like, painful to the point where it, it sometimes is almost debilitating. You know, um, so, so, Brett, this is actually not that difficult of a question. And I object to the previous opinions you got. Obviously, you're not letting anybody stick a needle of stem cells, cortisone, synvisc. Stay the hell away from a needle. Be holistic. But how old are you again? 35. So you are a perfect candidate. You're a perfect candidate so that you could still run track and train all these folks. You're a perfect candidate for a fusion. You're the very reason we do that operation because you have 26 bones in your foot that can compensate. I grew up doing fusions before ankle replacements became that commonplace. I did a lot of ankle fusions on people who were full-on athletes, full-on run-around people. Guess what? They don't have pain anymore. Then they easily could compensate with their other joints. No, no. That's wrong. If you have, and you can even do it percutaneously using the arthroscope to look in the joint and now put screws crossing the joint, it's a whole different ball game in terms of how to fuse an ankle now versus what we used to do. You're just going to the wrong people. You should not have an ankle replacement. Not at 35 if you still want to run up and down the field. No, because it will fall apart and that you don't want. But you want to have a fusion. And you won't need shots. You'll get on with your life and you'll be able to coach and do. I would have no restrictions for you after you had it fused. So they're wrong. Don't listen to them. You listen to Dr. Clapper. That's why you're calling, right? Absolutely. I love the way you explain things. And I wish I had you when I was going through college taking anatomy (laughs) and and kinesiology course. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. You definitely helped me out. Thank you. It's my pleasure. So. I'm going to give you a couple of names right now. People that will give you advice 
and they don't do knee surgery. They don't do hips or shoulders. They just do foot and ankle. There are orthopedic surgeons that just do foot and ankle, and I'm going to give you my names for a reason because there's a lot of people out there that I don't like. You know what I mean? I'm from New York. I'm going to play it straight with you. As they say, I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to keep it 100. These are, the, these are the names that I want you to call, and you tell them you're my cousin or tell them you're a weekend warrior, and they'll get a big smile on their face. Two people that I'll give you a name of right now. One, David Thordeson. He's at Cedars. He's the grand okay. poobah. He's the clapper of foot and ankle. David Thordeson. You call him. And here's another okay. name who's been a guest on our show, and I love this guy. His name is Timothy Charlton. So you got two names, you call them, and you tell them Dr. Clapper suggested you have a fusion. What's that, what's that all about? And after you see them, it'll be my pleasure to talk to you if you want, and I'll help you break oh. it down. They may not have the ability to do a Clapper vision like I can. So we ain't done yet, you and me, Brett. Yeah, I called your office and found out that you don't do ankles and was uh, I used to. I used to. I used to. But this is the right thing for you to do, Brett. You go get a hold of them. Go see them. And after you do, then we'll have a conversation. How's that? Sounds great. All right. Listen, you're a total stranger to me, Brett. Look at what I just did for you. I want you to find a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. Sounds great. All right. God bless you. Have a great day. And thank you for making me hungry for gumbo and jambalaya. (laughs) All right, Warriors, we'll take a break. We'll come back last segment. Actually, we're going to come back and tell some stories. Stories about power pressure points. Pressure points in art, in sports, and certainly, certainly in my world of surgery. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Right, King James? Absolutely. And good to be courtly friends on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. I love it. Be treated like medical royalty with Clapper Vision. Feast like a monarch on Doc's delectable finds. There we go. And that far rockaway jester humor. <laughs> Search Weekend Warrior and click on Doc's regal picture. Cool. <laughs> Sound the trumpets. No cortisone, alchemy, or leeches here. Everything's good. Bow, curtsy, like, or follow the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. That makes me happy. Cheers.